Welcome back one and all to another day, another week here at the Damage Report with me, John Adarola, and joining us as always on Fantastic Mondays, Francesca Fiorentini, host of the Bituation Room. How's it going, Francesca? How's it going with me? How's it going with you, birthday boy? Yeah, that's right. It's John Adarola's birthday, everybody. You know what to do. He's an old man. Old man wind. No, I just, yeah, I'm. I'm old. That's that's why I'm not at the He's studio just an right old now. Just, nerd. Who has the energy to drive places? No, we're we're in the grip of the atmospheric river in California. It's flooding, so so as to lower the, the chance that I die, I'm broadcasting from here. <laughs> I don't want to pull like a Final Destination. They've already they've had me written down for diabetes or heart attack for decades. I am not going to try to mess up the fates by dying by flooding and drowning and all Especially that. Especially not so, on your birthday. That was like not no, that festive. No. Um, unless you were in like a cool little umbrella upside down like Winnie the Pooh. Um, John, <laughs> what are you doing for your birthday to celebrate? Uh, nothing. No, nothing. but we we celebrated the birthday yesterday. My uh, We got we did gifts. Um, my daughter bought me an additional, uh, 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 an adorable uh, hat, like cookie holder. It's very cute. My mom made me a massive she went out, pop tart she, as she, a cake. She crawled herself. Mm-hmm. She rolled herself down to the target. Your mm-hmm. daughter. She rolled herself down to the target, brought back the gift, and then uh, gave me a card mimicking the 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 penmanship of my wife. <laughs> um, but anyway, but it's very cute. And uh, we watched Jurassic Park and. We ate food. That's, oh, I baked oh, bread for the day. first time in my life from scratch. How was it? And How it would Paul out. Hollywood? What would he say about it? It wasn't stodgy. Uh, it could have risen a little bit more, and it it was like as pale as me. But aside mm. from that, on taste and texture, delightful. I think I did a pretty good job. That sort of um, describes this show, you know, taste and texture. You got it. Very pale. Very pale. <laughs> Especially in the winter, at, but chewy. Definitely yeah, chewy. It'll do the job. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, that's my birthday. But weird, and this is the weirdest thing. It's also producer Mike's birthday. How had we never come across the fact that we have the same birthday before? You can't see Mike, but he's well. He's we've right decided there. He's the show. Mike is trying to replace you slowly, um, taking so over my identity. I yeah. see. He okay. planned his birth. Yeah. Well, he and his mom schemed. Mm-hmm. To have him born today, but also happy birthday, Mike. We love you. Happy birthday. You do so much great work. Is that a new haircut, Mike? I like it, actually. It's, a, it's gonna, exactly you stole like John's. my birthday. I'm stealing your haircut. <laughs> anyway, okay. Well, with that, some people are beginning to think, like, wait, I thought they talk about politics. And no, we generally don't, but we will. We will a little bit. And uh, I'm excited for everyone in the audience to discover. What's on the rundown? I'm excited for Francesca to discover what's on the rundown. Burn. <laughs> anyway, we've got a lot of I awesome read. stories to talk about. So everybody, thank you. I see I see the messages and I'll be responding to some during the breaks. But for now, why don't people are asking how old I am? I'm I'm finally on the verge of hitting 30. It's not yet next year, oh but I'm God. about to hit 30. And with that. Let's jump into our first story. You've been mentioned as a possible vice president for Donald Trump. Had you been vice president on January 6th, would you have certified the election results? Oh, George, this is such a ridiculous question, in part because the law has changed here. 
Ridiculous question, yeah. says J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance, who, as was pointed out by Stephanopoulos, uh, would love to be the VP, would love to be in the position that Mike Pence was in when he was receiving pressure from that same president, Donald Trump, to just ignore the law, ignore the Constitution, and deliver a win to the guy that America rejected. It is ridiculous from the point of view of J.D. Vance, because like, come on, George. Why are you asking me questions like this? You know I'm going to side with Trump over democracy, but now I gotta do this hullabaloo, blah, 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 the law has changed. Well, the law has changed only insofar as it was necessary for some reason to clarify that the vice president doesn't actually get to pick who becomes president. <laughs> Most people seem to already understand that. Most senators, I think, already understood that. There were some Republicans and former presidents named Donald Trump who didn't get that, so it had to be clarified. But the role of the VP has not changed at all. So let's just be very clear about that. That said, before we jump into commentary, I wanna give you a little bit more of the back and forth about this issue and what potential role J.D. Vance would play in coup number two. Take a look at this. Do I think there were problems in 2020? Yes, I do. Do I think it was a problem that big technology companies working with the intelligence services censored the presidential campaign of Donald Trump? Yes. Do I think it's a problem that Pennsylvania changed its balloting rules in the middle of the election season in a way that even some courts in Pennsylvania have said was illegal? Yes, I think these were problems, George, and I think there is a political solution to those problems. If I had been vice president, I would have told the states like Pennsylvania, Georgia and so many others that we needed to have multiple slates of electors. And I think the US Congress should have fought over it from there. That is the legitimate way to deal with an election that a lot of folks, including me, think had a lot of problems in 2020. I think that's what we should have done. So to be very clear, if he had been in that position, he would have said, F you law, F you constitution. We're just, we're just gonna give it to Trump. We're just gonna do that, bye bye America. You're done. And um, do I think it's a problem that J.D. Vance would participate in a coup? Yes, I do. Do I think it's a problem that J.D. Vance, who pitched himself back in the day as a never Trumper, eventually got around to the fact that, oh, they really like Trump. He's not going anywhere. So I guess I just believe whatever he says. Yes, I, I believe that that's a problem. Do I think it's a problem that he is pretending to think that the 2020 election was illegitimate when he knows he knows, he knows it was not. He is lying to you, Trumpers. He does not actually believe that. Yes, Francesca, I believe that that is a problem too. What do you make of JT Vance? Oh, John, don't make me respond to this question. You know, I'm a coward. I'm a sniveling opportunistic coward. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just a, and it, and it is terrifying. What is starts to be sort of funny and ridiculous. Truly, as you outlined there, is terrifying because he then says, No, I thought there were a lot of problems with it. And I would have, like, what, sent it back to the states, like, created his own new law, which, mind you, John, we were there. We covered this. We covered the 2020 election. It's not like this all happened in a day. It didn't even happen <laughs> in a week. It was months. There were so many court cases that they all lost. There was nothing to stand on. So that when they finally, like, even, even, right, when they finally actually had to, like, transfer power, certify the election. That like even the senators that were super Trumpy were like, oh, there's nothing here. They yeah. wanted something to be there. They super did, but there was nothing there. Um, but it is very scary that effectively what he's saying is, um, yes, I would have done that. And a lot of these Republicans just needed a little bit more shred of evidence. Again, we were all waiting for like 
the fabricated, you know, um, truck of ballots to have been found in a ditch. Oh, Giuliani's just there, you know, like um, writing in little ballots with crayon. Like, but there wasn't anything there. Um, yeah. Still good on Stephanopoulos, right? And I know he goes even harder, but and pushing but, uh, back, yeah, it was good. And yeah, a little bit more. More evidence, I would say, or any evidence that it was illegitimate, then they would have ran with it. Or let's be clear, a pretext. If the if the insurrectionists had gotten in, had killed a few Congress people or whatever, then Trump could have declared martial law. He would declare all of them as Antifa provocateurs. By the way, Fox News would immediately jump on that, even though they know it's not true. And he would say, you know, with all of this uncertainty, we're going to have to throw it back to the states. And oh, what do you know? I'm president for the next four years. Like that—that that was the plan. Yeah. That was what they wanted. They didn't get it that time, but perhaps next time, or perhaps not, because as JD Vance is laying out, I guess Kamala Harris can just. Just decide that Joe Biden won. Well, <laughs> to be fair, the vice president can just give it to the person they want. If some people believe that it was unfair or, or illegitimate. And by the way, in every election, some people believe that. That's your standard, JD Vance. But as Francesca laid out, he doesn't believe any of this. He's an opportunist. And that's, I guess, the most, that's the best thing to be. In American politics, you can go from an author who is trying to have sort of a serious life to literally a vapid, feckless senator if you simply give up all of your morals, all of your values. And he did that. And now he's got the power and influence that he wanted far more than he wanted anything having to do with the values he pretended to possess as an author. Before we move on, just really quickly, can we just just point out how hypocritical it is for him to say that big tech is in the pocket of like the Democrats or whatnot when he accepted millions of dollars yeah. from the founder of PayPal, Peter Thiel, and who like owns Palantir and one of the most creepy like tech lords there is when it comes to putting their thumb on the scale in our elections in terms of dark money and whatnot, and also rolling out some of the creepiest, most surveillance ass like technology we have. That's what I'm calling it, yeah. surveillance ass. But like, <laughs> they don't like Republicans don't see that. They always blame big tech, but all they mean is that like you couldn't say the N word under the old Twitter openly, yeah. you know? Well, and and by the way, what he's alluding to there is supposedly the idea that Twitter was biased against Trump when that's not what even the Twitter files found. And they found that Trump was trying to crack down on Democrat speech. He knows that. He doesn't care. He's gonna lie about it because he is an empty suit. With a lot more ambition than consistency or principle. With that said, I want to turn to another topic. I've been asking for the media to pressure Republicans with this. And in this next clip, you'll see George Stephanopoulos do just that. How do you respond to that, that your support of Trump is sanctioning that kind of behavior, sexual assault and defamation? Well, I think it's actually very unfair to the victims of sexual assault to say that somehow their lives are being worse by electing Donald Trump for president when what he's trying to do, I think, is restore prosperity. So I think it's insulting to victims of sexual assault. So that is JD Vance responding to this PSA implying that Donald Trump, who has been found guilty by a jury of sexually abusing Eugene Carroll, who's now gonna owe something like 90 to 100 million dollars to her as a combination of penalties for the sexual abuse, but also the defamation that he has spent the last couple of decades heaping on top of the trauma that he gave her in abusing her in the first place. To JD Vance, I mean, what does he care? Like honestly, what does he care? He's in for a penny, in for a pound. He's given up all of his principles. He's not gonna let the fact that a jury found this guy guilty of sexual abuse stop him from supporting him. And also more importantly, 
this is like one of the things he needs to be least concerned about as a Republican of being on the wrong side of it, implying that women lie about the abuse that they suffer, that their trauma isn't important. That's not gonna hurt you on the Republican side. He went on to say, say to, he went on to say, by the way, that the election should hinge on important issues, not over these ridiculous court cases that frankly, they've been thrown at Trump from well before he became a political candidate. Which by the way, if they've been doing it since well before he became a political candidate, I guess it's not as political as you guys have been saying. I thought it was just because he was a politician. Apparently, they've been around for a long time. And this is not a court, this is not just a court case. This isn't a frivolous lawsuit. This isn't Judge Judy. He was found guilty and he owes a hundred million dollars. But anyway, Stephanopoulos pushed back saying, you call it a ridiculous case. These were juries that found him liable for sexual assault and defamation. That's ridiculous. These are juries. Oh, this is the response from JD Vance who says, these are juries, George, in extremely left-wing jurisdictions. <laughs> these are cases that are very often funded by left-wing donors and they're cases that are funded explicitly to harm him politically, not to seek justice for any group of individuals. First of all, I love that it, oh, it was in an area that's blue or whatever. So I guess it doesn't count. But also, let's say that it was funded by a left-wing interest. What does that have to do about whether he did it or not? Whether he defamed her, whether he sexually abused her. The, like the financial backing of a lawsuit does not speak to whether the lawsuit is true. It might imply that they're just searching. But we had the case and the jury decided that they were not just searching, that he had done this, that he had and continued up until the day that the verdict was announced, defamed her. But again, he's 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 able to be so fake because he doesn't have to speak in a way that's convincing because nobody who would ever think of supporting him or Donald Trump is ever gonna question literally any of this, Francesca. But I do agree with him and I just have to push back a little bit, John, because I do think that Donald Trump is going to restore prosperity for sexual assault survivors. I mean, look at E. Jean Carroll, I mean, she is just <laughs> prosperous. I truly, I mean, what, 85 million, almost $100 million after it's all said and done. A lot of money. Prosperity has been returned. Keep talking, yappity yap yap yap. It's just incredible to me that he would even say that. Well, who cares about sexual assault survivors when prosperity? Okay, well, let's have more of the uh, those who have accused Donald Trump of similar actions. Let's have them come forward. Let's return prosperity. Yeah, um, it should not be this easy to just write off all of these concerns. Like he 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 is not Donald Trump. I should say J J D Vance as well. But Donald Trump is not a particularly impressive guy in a lot of different ways. But his ability to he is the most successful con man scam artist in the history of our nation, perhaps the history of every nation combined. <laughs> that he can get so many millions of people to not care at all about all the evidence. It's not like he's good. Lots of lots of wealthy, powerful people are good at stopping you from ever finding out about their scandals through NDAs, paying people off. Elon Musk does it, tons of people do it. He doesn't even successfully do that. We find out about so much of it. I can't say all of it, you know, by definition, but enough and it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter because he's scammed these people so, so thoroughly. But, but anyway. John, can I interest you in a horse? <laughs> in I know there's a lot of papa dapa. How about a horse? Yeah. I love that people have moved on from that story <laughs> somehow. Um, he will have a reckoning. Elon Musk's reckoning yes. will come. Oh God. I don't know when, but at some point.
Anyway, okay, let's move on to obviously this is JD Vance Senator. What does he think about the Supreme Court? Another branch of the government that he serves in. There's this big war going on over the border. Well, let's jump into the first bit of this part of the interview. Supporting Donald Trump sends a message to every abuser, every rapist, and every man who's ever used his power to hurt a woman. Because if he can do it, why shouldn't they? How do you respond to that, that your support of Trump is sanctioning that kind of behavior, sexual assault and defamation? Well, I think it's actually very unfair to the victims of sexual assault uh, to say that somehow their lives are being worse by electing Donald Trump for president when what he's trying to do, I think, is restore prosperity. So I think it's insulting to victims of sexual assault. So look, we need to be very clear about this. And most people watching this clip probably already know what we are going to discuss here. But J.D. Vance is one of those necessary willful tools that allows democracy to fall, that allows fascism, an authoritarian form of government to take its place. You can't just have a Trump. Trump cannot succeed in destroying a country like America by himself. Not if those in other positions of power stand against him. If they do what is demanded of them based on the constitution, based on just who we are as a people. But in every case where a democracy has ever has ever fallen, in every case where an authoritarian state has risen up, It has been not just because of despots and dictators, but because of people like J.D. Vance who know better, who certainly should know better, but believe that power, influence, wealth, luxury, excess stands on the other side of the transition they will help to make happen. And by the way, I don't need to convince him of what Trump represents or what sort of government he's pushing us towards. J.D. Vance once said Trump might be America's Hitler. That was a thing that he said, and I assume it cuts off after that. And I guess it continued with, and so I guess I'm on the Trump train. If he's gonna be Hitler, I suppose I'm gonna put on a uniform and start goose stepping behind him. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. regardless of whether he had come to that conclusion back in 2016, that is the role he is willingly playing right now. It's just, it's wild to me. You're absolutely right that the road to fascism is paved with these cowards who will absolutely, as Mike Pence on January 6th, like the question was like, hey, bud, you want to put your head in a noose right now? Because they're calling for it. I mean, that is effectively what it is. And all of these, these like minions to, to put it or like whatever, like they are going to be the first ones thrown under the bus by Donald Trump or a second Trump administration. And I can't, I have to say, John, and we talk about politics all the time. Part of me is just like, what more power do you want? You're a senator, like you're a wealthy dude. You've got tax cuts up the waz. You've got opportunities (laughs) on like completely limitless. Like this, and it's such a failure of our democracy and it's a failure of Democrats. I gotta put it back on a Democrats because they are in cahoots with this slow slide into fascism. It's like you're offering, cause someone like JD Vance is just like, I right, well, if no one's gonna put the brains on me and the reins on this Republican party, then yeah. Uh, yeah, let's do authoritarianism. Let's just do it all. Let's just um, do it. And, and cause they're bored. They're like, gee, we got our tax cuts. We've got the Supreme Court. We're rolling back all of the gains of like the 50s and 60s in this country of the civil rights movement, of the women's rights movement, LGBTQ plus movement. I don't know. Hitler? Like what's left? What is what's left next? for them? Yeah. You, you always got to have an, another goal. Um, 
Yeah, and, that, and that's what he's doing. I mean, he's literally saying, well, the Supreme Court doesn't have a military, so we can do whatever we want. Yeah. Which is an interesting principle that I guess we could apply right now. Uh, they said you don't have a right to an abortion. But Joe Biden's in charge of the military, so maybe you do have a right to an abortion. If only How many Joe Biden could. does the Supreme Court have? I want saying, the National Guard to perform do that abortions. Yeah, no, I'm just I saying, do. like I theoretically, do. all of this is optional now. You don't actually have to follow it, according to JD Vance. JD Vance has provided the philosophical, ideological underpinning for a left-wing dictator. That's what he's doing right there. Now, of course, I don't want that. I don't want any form of authoritarianism in America. But if it's good for the fascist, it's good for the gander. That's mm -hmm. how it works. And by the way, final point before we close, this is the sort of thing that George Stephanopoulos has to do. This interview, those questions, that follow up. But doesn't it feel like footage that will someday appear in a documentary of like yes. all of those lining up and being like, no, we're we're ready for authoritarianism. You're asking, oh, you think that this is a thing where there's norms and stuff? No, I believe that we can do this, we're gonna do this. That's what it feels like to me. Anyway, with that said, we do have to take the first hour, first break of the hour. We will be back with more news after this. Welcome all to the next block of the show. More fun interview fallout starting with this. By the way, we had unbelievable people. We had to look, I rebuilt yeah, the military. Yeah, but your critics say you had plenty of personnel mistakes. No, of course, but everybody does. Well, running this Biden thing, the difference is I fire people. I fired Comey. I got rid of him. You didn't fire Christopher Ray. Well, I, I, you know what? At the time, I don't know. Let's see how. Let's see what what the final judgment is. But I didn't fire Christopher Ray. I didn't fire people I would have. But I fired a lot of people. You know, I had turnover. They have no turnover right now. He did fire a lot of people. It's sort of his thing. But uh, it's a feisty Maria Bartiromo. She said, "Ah, but your critics. That's what you say to someone who you have very little respect for when you kind of eh, stupid points you're making." And uh, she pointed out Christopher Ray. She pointed out a lot of good examples. That was like more follow-ups than you get across multiple Trump interviews, and it was all on one topic. She was, and I'll put this in terms that Donald Trump would understand. She was given given across kind of like a nasty woman sort of vibe there to him. I like it. She seemed almost like a journalist once again. But it is interesting that she is able, apparently, to push back against him on something that is a legitimate. It's a weird area of his presidency that he talked about how he was always going to choose the best people. And he so frequently chose people who, on the one hand, had no capability to do their job or were chosen specifically because they would dismantle the very government offices they were put in charge of. Nobody really focuses on those that much. They focus more on the people who he ended up hating. They said something he didn't like or did something he didn't like. So he cast them off and called them traitors or never MAGA or whatever. And there were a lot of both types of that, 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 those types of people. And Maria Bartiromo there, following up from some of the previews of this interview we'd gotten a few days ago, seems able to criticize him on that, which we don't see a lot of in Fox News interviews of him. And he didn't really strike back against her. So I don't know if they'd had some sort of agreement or something, but that was a different sort of Trump interview than I'm used to, Francesca. Yeah, but it wasn't like she was holding him accountable to, you know, protect American democracy or uphold the Constitution 
or like, you know, abide by law. She was like, um, why didn't you fire more of these deep state bureaucrats? You should have fired Christopher Ray, even though he pretty much did everything you wanted him to. He like opened an investigation into the FBI itself mm-hmm. for its investigation into Michael Flynn. He was doing the investigating of the investigators. So she was, I, I like, yeah, Maria Bartiromo. I think it's more striking that he didn't, yes, wasn't offended or didn't like get mad at her, but it was really her just being like, why weren't you like really crazy? I feel like you should have been crazier back there, yeah. babe. You know, like, <laughs> why didn't you fight them harder? Like, that was the vibe she was giving off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I guess that's fair. I, I don't know. I've, I've, been weirdly wanting to give her credit over the last week or whatever because obviously you know there was a time when she was a real journalist that <sighs> was a very long time ago but i don't know i i just want some sort of omen you know like a like that that the republican party might be turning at some point like you know like you see in the distance a, a white dove or something you think oh maybe the the tide is turning but perhaps we're not there yet so with that we're going to turn to where the interview got weird in ways that Trump interviews do typically go. Let's jump into this clip. I have steel people that every time they see me, they start to cry, they hug me. They said, you saved our industry, but now we're letting it go. So according to Donald Trump, he meets up with steel people. Steel people. Who, technically they're iron men, I think, um, but yes. anyway, and they cry. Every, t- every time uh, they uh, cry. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, very <laughs> difficult to get a steel person to cry. I know you think I they'll rust. My- but um, the weird thing about this is that Donald Trump and you know uh, longtime followers of American politics will know this. Frequently claims that people break down in tears around him, typically when hugging him. So back in 2019, he told of a man who wept as he begged Trump to cut regulations. He was crying. He said, sir, you give me back my life and my property. He also spoke of others at the event as tough people, strong, tough men, huge hands, and women also big hands. Half of them were crying, (laughs) half, half of a crowd. Have you ever been in a crowd where half of them were crying? Uh, the previous year, he mentioned someone else breaking down in front of him. He was a strong, tough guy, great abs, and he was crying. He said, <laughs> Mr. President, thank you for saving America. I'm telling you, that man, he was tough. I don't think he cried when he was a baby. The year before that, an event where farmers and ranchers were weeping behind him as he gave a speech. And they were such powerful tears that they must have evaporated the second they left people's eyes because there's no footage. There's footage from the speech, but no footage of people actually crying. And of course, he also claimed that Ron DeSantis cried as he begged Trump for an endorsement. <laughs> and and look, I know, Francesca, what you're gonna say. I know what a lot of you libs like to say well. that he's lying or that he's exaggerating or something. But have you considered the possibility that when people hug Trump, they are exposed to the full power of the smell of his body and that that might pull tears from your eyes. I remind everyone of the reporting of his very peculiar odor, but what do you think? Yeah, what was it, Uh, like hamburgers and makeup? Wasn't that the sort of like the like onions plus tons like like costume makeup? Like it's Halloween and you, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like Like crusted on your face. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what just a sweaty clown. I mean, he truly is a sweaty clown. Mm -hmm. Oh God, I like 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 there's so, like, so much swamp ass, like just that smell. Um, but uh, I believe it. Like John, we've talked about how this is a cult and we know what people do when they are around their gurus and they break down in tears. Um, mm-hmm. He, I don't think he's lying about the crying thing. 
I think really? it, I think in fact I think we're gonna get to a point where he like I think he's already mocking it like <laughs> they think I'm God and I just want to <laughs> get myself and my family rich no mostly just me I'm just trying to get out of jail like well, look if you're right and if it is actually happening and we can't rule out the possibility that that's how powerful the cult is uh, he definitely has no respect for those people. Like he doesn't have no. empathy. If if a fan came up to me and was like, you know, I, I really like love the way that you speak about this particular issue that's important to me, and they started crying, I would literally start crying. He does not have that capacity. He doesn't experience empathy. And look, maybe I am too quick, first of all, to joke, um, but also to write off the possibility. It it is possible, and it if it's true, if like steel people or people the regulations or whatever are coming up to him. And breaking down because they think that he is going to help them, that kills me. Because there are people who do desperately need help, who unfortunately are Republicans, are MAGA people, and they don't get how little he cares about them and how little he will ever do for them. And that is devastating. I know that we're not inclined necessarily to distribute our empathy to people who, you know, wouldn't mind us being lined up against a wall and shot or whatever, but but on some level. It is very sad that there's so many people who might fit into that group. I wish I had more empathy. I truly do. I don't know if it's still. I don't know if it's there anymore. But uh, I, I just again, they can still be racist without him. Mm-hmm. You guys, you could still be racist. You're gonna still be racist without Trump. Yeah. You could move on, find a new racist. Plenty of George W. Bush fans were racist. They didn't need Trump at that point. If no. if it was Ron DeSantis, you could be racist. Hell, with Nikki Haley, you could be racist against her. Exactly. Like you could have it coming and going. Yeah, she wants that. She says openly. Cool, it doesn't it's not it racist. Anyway, okay. Jokes aside, let's get back to where it gets serious. Uh, whenever we're ready, we can jump into this. Chinese are paying $35,000 a head, $50,000 a head to come to the southern border. They're paying the drug cartels this money. The number of Chinese nationals, and they are military aged men, you're right, up 1100% year over year. Are they being directed by the Communist Party to come here? I believe so. I believe so. And I believe we're going to have a terrorist attack 100%. 100%. You know, during my term, I had no terrorist attacks. You know that, right? So there'll be I had, I had What are they? I had all sorts of bans on people from certain countries. I had bans all over the place. We had no attack. That is, of course, not even close to a lie. It's not in the, of the truth. It's not in the neighborhood of the truth. It's never met the truth. Of course, there are terror attacks under Donald Trump when he was president. So, so many of them. There were, we were chock full of them, and we will go through the details. But let's also talk about what led to him making that repeated lie about no terror attacks while he was president. It was the idea that Chinese migrants are entering the United States through the southern border and they're being directed there by the Communist Party. Now, are there Chinese migrants entering the US through the southern border? Yes, apparently it's a significant portion. But you will notice they always, Whenever a migrant enters the US, they were directed there. Whether you're from China or from Guatemala, no one has control over their own life. No one makes a decision to go either to flee the situation they have domestically or to go in search of a situation in the US. They're sent, okay? The Mexican government sends people, the Guatemalan government sends people, China sends people because everything has to have sort of like, Someone pulling the strings behind the scenes. That is the conspiracist worldview. And there is no topic that escapes it for the right. 
What do you think, Francesca? I mean, meanwhile, Trump accepted $5.5 million from China during his presidency. While he was in office, he got money from China. And we're just, you you could pay that money and get into Mar-a-Lago if you're like, hey, I'm rich and I'm Chinese. Hey, what's up? Like, you know, if only I had money, um, I could do that. But like, I love this, the, the China stuff is so ridiculous when it comes from Trump because again, he accepted this money. He loves when it's like rich Chinese millionaires or billionaires who wanna come and like, you know, curry favor with him. He accepts it all over the place. But mm-hmm. now, of course, this like incredibly racist ass question gets asked by Maria Bartiromo. And suddenly now we're talking, he, now, and it's truly scary because he's, when I hear him say we had no terrorist attacks, which again is a lie. But you feel like we're being set up for, again, another moment, right? Like that if something happened in the United States on American soil specifically, um, what would Trump do, right? What would his reaction be? Um, And and as we see, you know, this, you know, assault on Gaza spin out of control when it comes to the United States and Israel and it getting to be a, a wider regional war. It's something that it should be on all of our minds. Like, how will this affect? Could it affect our domestic policy? How could it affect, you know, any kind of attacks on Americans? Already three service members were killed. What happens when it grows to be more, right? Or it happens here. Like, yeah. And these are the fools in power, not just Biden, but Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone never forget. I mean, many of you are probably too young to have experienced it firsthand, but. The entire course of American as well as regional history was changed by the fact that 9-11 happened and right-wingers used it for the stuff that they had wanted to do. And they did that in foreign policy and domestic policy, policy having to do with your privacy, consolidation of power of the executive branch. Like they used that and they it's not like they're the The only people that would ever do that. Exactly. And Democrats went alongside, I mean, went right along with them, except for Barbara Lee, Barbara Lee for Congress. I mean Senate, sorry. Uh, I will remind you all. Despite what Trump said, Trump's own DOJ alleged that a mass murder in New York back in 2017, which killed eight people and injured others, was a terrorist attack in support of ISIS. DOJ also alleged that a 2019 attack by an extremist member of Saudi Arabia's military, which killed three US service members, and Fox obviously freaked out about that just as much as they're freaking out about what happened in Jordan, was motivated by jihadist ideology carried out by a longtime associate of Al Qaeda. The DOJ said it was a domestic terrorist attack when one of Trump's supporters mailed improvised explosive devices to prominent Democratic officials. Not enough people talk about that these days. In 2019, a white supremacist pleaded guilty to multiple charges in New York, including first degree murder and furtherance of an act of terrorism for killing a black man in March 2017, specifically to try to start a race war. And Trump's Justice Department described a 2019 shooting massacre at a Walmart in Texas as an act of domestic terrorism. 23 people were killed. All of those took place while Donald Trump was president. He didn't care about them when it happened. He doesn't even remember that they happened at this point. So. That's the truth. Sorry, Trump. Sorry, Maria Bartiromo. We shouldn't have cut off the video, by the way. That was unfair of us because obviously she reminded him of all of these attacks when he made that claim. Of course. But, yeah. but, but John, those aren't terrorists. Those are fans. Those white supremacists, when they do violence, nah, they're just doing, they're just fans. They're 100%. fanboys. Um, um, no, it's wild. It's true. I mean, that's the, what we truly forget is like the amount of, and again, 
Democrats are off the scent on this, you know? They've been thrown off the scent. I mean, Christopher Ray, we're talking about firing Christopher Ray. He actually alerted Americans to the fact that the biggest threat when it comes to so-called terrorism is homegrown domestic terrorism, i.e. white nationalists yeah. um, and anti-government extremists um, who are big fans of Donald Trump. But where is that? Okay, now we're now we're back on the uh, you know, Islamophobia trail once again. 100%. Uh, I know we're, we're gonna have to go over to do it, but I just, we we have to briefly talk about this. So let's just let's give us a few minutes. I won't indulge myself too much necessarily, but if you are worried about Donald Trump becoming president, you might want to amp that up just a little bit because some stuff that should be indisputable to the American people is not yet getting through. There's a new poll: twice as many voters think Trump has the quote necessary physical and mental health to be president compared to Biden. Either one of those would be insane, but it's both. He leads 46 to 23. First of all, let's go with, I guess, maybe the easier one, the physical health. I'm not saying that Biden's gonna be doing a triathlon or anything, but Biden is still capable of riding a bicycle before he falls off of it. He will fall off of it, but he rides it first. When was the last time we saw Donald Trump ride a bicycle? Falling off or not, by the way. I mean, mount it, mount a bicycle in front of the voters. You don't even have to debate. Just get on top of a bicycle, spin it around once the pedals, and I'll be impressed. But then mentally, I understand that it has been more of a campaign talking point that Joe Biden's mind is the consistency of rice pudding. I get that. But Trump speaks way more than Biden, which means he makes way more public flubs than Biden, short circuits on stage more than Biden, and it's not getting through. My takeaway from this, Francesca, is. They've started to hit him a little bit on that. Joe Biden put an ad on Truth Social of all of his little mental mix-ups and everything. They've got to hit him harder on that. They have to at least equalize this thing. Let's let's agree as a nation, despite how partisan, how tribal we tend to be, both of them are losing their minds. Can we at least agree on that, <laughs> yes. Francesca? Yes, we can. And in different ways, which I think is really fun to sort of observe. Like, like Biden knows what he's saying, but he can't get it out. Right? Like Trump, no idea what he's saying. He doesn't know what he's saying, but he can absolutely say the words. So their word clouds are very different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they should work together. They tr that's what I was going to say. If they teamed Aww. up, dude, they should have a, just a power sharing agreement. Yeah. Adorable, adorable. If they teamed up, they would have a person who can have a thought and express it. Indeed, and it would be the it would be a new dawn in America. But <laughs> no, but anyway, look, look, we, we know that all of this is branding. They, they're they're taking situations with with Joe Biden, and and I would argue exaggerating them or just making them up with deep fakes. Whereas Trump, like in his interviews, it is, we don't we still don't know what that we're an institution in a death penalty. Nobody's figured that one out yet. <laughs> I don't think anyone knows, but a lot of people are concerned, more should be. So anyway, look, there's other issues too, by the way. Head over to NBC News for this new poll because it is fascinating. It talks about some of the areas where Donald Trump is you know, in danger potentially. People who are concerned about immigrants being treated humanely, obviously way prefer Biden. Dealing with the issue of abortion is a big winner, but not nearly a big enough winner, by the way, for Joe Biden. So expect that to be the focus of a lot of campaign ads. But in terms of like controlling the border or dealing with the economy, like 
somehow they have forgotten what the economic priorities of the Republicans were. Mm-hmm. And, and this is in a time when the economy is picking up. Maybe that'll help a little bit, Francesca, but he's gotta get moving on shifting some of these things. I, I don't thoughts? get me started. No, I mean, I think that, first of all, I do think that people who say that he's not mentally like, you know, fit, it's not this, it's somehow, Again, when the other option is Donald Trump with 91 indictments hanging over him and also like open, like brain bleeding, just like head wound style, head wound Hitler, as we've called him. Like, it's like, I'll take a sort of a semi coherent Joe Biden. I think a lot of people are making that argument. So I don't think it has much to do with policy because that's sort of the sad state that we're in. But I agree with you. Um, Biden needs to correct course, uh, course correct immediately yeah. and put something out there that isn't just. Look at the other guy, look at the other guy, look at the other guy. I agree. Well, we'll end on that note, but we will be watching. Let's take a short break. When we come back though, we will be talking about the new border bill. The details are out, we'll be breaking it down after this. Uh, Francesca was telling a very adorable story about her daughter and was cut off by the hard break at the end of the social break, but, but it's a good idea. I might have to do that, except that I like when my daughter falls over, it's very cute. On a bet, she's safe. Very Wait, safe. can I make it up by doing a quick plug? What's your plug? Come see me in Sacramento with my husband, Matt Lieb, on March 17th, which is a Sunday uh, Sacramento punchline. It is uh, St. Patrick's Day, so you better come out. We're drinking, we're having fun. Uh, San Francisco, uh, Sacramento punchline, March 17th. I hope I to see it. you there. Everyone go check it out. And with that, okay, let's jump to, I guess, one of the most important policy debates of the next month or so. Let's do this. The Senate border bill has now been released by the Senate. And that means that it goes to the House. And we're probably in for a period of weeks or months as both Democrats and Republicans get into rooms with experts and dig into the details and figure out whether they will support or not. No, I'm kidding, Um, they're done. Speaker Mike Johnson tweeted, I've seen enough. This bill is even worse than we expected. And we won't come close to any of the border catastrophe the president has created. As the lead Democrat negotiator proclaimed under this legislation, the border never closes. Well, of course the border never fully closes. What the hell are you talking about? If this bill reaches the house, it will be dead on arrival. And it's because I read it. I I sat down and I read all the words, I read all the pages, I looked at the details. And it wasn't just that I read bleats from Donald Trump telling me to kill it. It's not that, it's the detail part, he would have you believe, Mike Johnson. So anyway, look, we know who he is, we know why he's doing what he's doing, and we will certainly make fun of him more. But it's important that you at least know what this bill is designed to do, because it is effectively quite the gift to the right. And still, it could be dead on arrival. So it's a $118 billion bill that doesn't just cover the border. It also includes funding for Ukraine as well as Israel and a number of other, it's like they they mashed a whole bunch of stuff together. But the biggest policy part aside from distribution of funds is on the border. So it includes a trigger mechanism that would allow the border to be effectively shut down to migrants if crossings have been particularly high for several days in a row. Around 1400 migrants would still be able to qualify for asylum at ports of entry. That border emergency provision, which expires in three years, would automatically kick in when crossings reached 5,000 per day for several days. But a president could choose to use the tool at a lower number, 
4,000 per day. The proposal would make it harder for migrants to apply for and qualify for asylum. The bill also encourages quicker resolutions to asylum cases at the border and creates a new removal authority to speedily remove migrants who don't qualify for asylum. It is so much of what they have been asking for over the years. And the 5,000 number, which is really a 4,000 number, is not like, it's not like the gate at Disney or whatever, where they just like tick off, okay, there's one, two, three, four, 5,000. Okay, now we're gonna get serious. That's not how it works. This isn't like 5,000 people enter free. They are still going through the system. So there are a lot of willful lies being told about this bill, but a lot of, it was effectively written in large part to give the Republicans what they want. To uh, you know, abide by their requirements for what happens at the border, and uh, it just happens to be an election year, and Joe Biden happens to be the president. So screw all their claims about the border and what they've asked for in terms of policy. It might very well be dead just because Donald Trump wants it to be. What do you think? Exactly. I mean, and it goes to the heart of it, and we've spoken about this before that the border ultimately is simply a talking point. It's simply a a. a a way to gain points, to score political points. Donald Trump did it in 2016. He tried to do it in 2020, but then he like you know pivoted to people who didn't want unarmed Black Americans to be shot dead in the street. But this is what they're going to do all the time. Nobody is serious about actually addressing any kind of immigration crisis, which is the fact that there are 11 million undocumented people who've been living in this country for decades who deserve a pathway to citizenship. The real crisis is people, family members children, pregnant women dying on the border because the United States has basically made a gamble, no matter whether you're Republican or a Democrat, that they want to be scarier than the cartels or whatever awaits these families who are seeking actual asylum, who want safety, who want to live in peace. That is, and the true story with this border deal isn't that Republicans are being sort of petulant little children about whether they want to vote for it or not, and they don't want to give Biden a win. It's that any Democrat would say that this is okay, that we're going to hand massive amounts of more executive power to the president to shut down the border whenever they so please, teeing it up for anyone. I mean, a Democrat Republican to to utilize this is just wild. So I don't care that they kill it. It is such a Terrible piece of legislation. Yeah. Well, uh, we will we will have to wait to see if it is actually killed. Um, but it's pretty obvious why they're doing what they're doing. Um, that said, they don't like when you point out why they're doing what they're doing or how hypocritical or lacking compassion or consistency they are. And we want to demonstrate that. Take a look at this video. Spare me the idea that Republicans in Congress are impeaching Mayorkas or taking aim at Joe Biden because they care about unaccompanied minors at the border. That is just absolutely absurd. And if that is the case, then they should get with the program and get on board with the bipartisan border bill. So Jason Chaffetz squirming angrily at the comments being made there by Lucy Caldwell, advisor to the forward party, who is 100% right about why the Republicans are saying what they're saying about the border, why they're doing and not doing what they're doing and not doing on the border. They're focusing on things that they think will make them look good, like trying to impeach Mayorkas. That's a thing that they can do that does not anger Donald Trump. They can do that and pretend that that means they're doing something about the border, which of course they're fearing mongering about 24 seven. They don't want to go further than that 
because Trump doesn't want them to, and also because perhaps they really don't think it's the emergency that they pretend that it is. But regardless, the idea that it has to do with trafficking or concerns over what's happening with kids, if there's anything human or empathetic about this, I mean, that is that is a joke. And of course, Jason Chaffetz isn't going to like that. So here's his response. I, I worked on this issue. I was in Congress. I was a chairman. I was on the immigration subcommittee. We started highlighting the problems on the border. But you know what? Joe Biden came in and changed all of those policies with the stroke of his pen. So don't write, give me this righteous indignation that Republicans don't care about the kids. If the Democrats cared about the kids, then where are the 85,000 kids? Where are they? Congressman Chavez, I mean no disrespect to you. You are not a current member of Congress. I'm not impugning you at all. It is just the case that Republicans in Congress really seem to have lost their appetite. And I don't think that anyone honestly believes, and if so, then we are very, very far afield here, that Democrats don't care about unaccompanied minor children. Okay. But if any, if we all agree we care about the children, then let's pass a bipartisan bill on immigration. So it's very clear, she means no disrespect to Jason Chaffetz. I wanna be very clear, I do. Because he's shaking his head when she says that they've lost their appetite. Uh, take it up with your with your former colleagues. What are you talking about? Why are you shaking your head? Donald Trump, they spent months working on this, hammering out the details. Donald Trump sends a bleat and suddenly they're not working on it anymore. That's your party. That's It's super transparent. Francesca, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, again, I'll, I'll restate what I said, which I think, I think both parties are full of it when it comes to this issue. I mean, I, I kudos to this woman for standing up. I know she's with the forward party for standing up to Chaffetz about Republicans, but Democrats do not care about unaccompanied minors either. Let's remember that Biden continued the Trump policies around the border, mm -hmm. continued using the pandemic as an excuse to reject asylum seekers as if COVID was coming in through the border. No, we gave it to one another, mostly Florida gave it to us. But like, <laughs> it's so disingenuous on all counts and we just need a new way to talk about the border migrants as people deserving of a, of real talk about due process right we need to talk about i know there's some things in here that are like some money to expand no 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 the democrats like no it's about the the court system we need a robust immigration court that actually gives migrants a a date that is not too far in the future that that has more judges that has more attorneys all of this that is what we need and nobody's talking about that nobody is serious about this and also nobody cares about saving people's lives especially if they're coming from the southern border and and it's just wildly racist and xenophobic as always well, I mean, look, I want to save their lives, but I don't want to do it if it's going to help Joe Biden in the polls. Of course. I mean, come on. <sighs> anyway, that's the end of the first hour of the show. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Those of you listening to the podcast, a much appreciation. Please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And with that, we're going to take a short break, but come back for more in the aftermath.